Hi, Nancy. Hi, Shane. Um, so folks don't know this. This is take two because we're running out of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Shane started telling me the exact same story that he told about a year ago. That's okay, though. It's good, though, because we've been doing this that long. I know. Like, so that's, that's a good exciting. thing, right? That means that we're successful in being a long-running show. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, we. so I'm going to ask you, um, we're, we're talking about time and, and old things today, um, specifically old wood but we'll get to that um but we're talking about like old homes oh yeah and like of. things you might like uncover in them. yeah 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 yeah. so um you know yeah exactly so i once had this uh house we were living in in college you know so mm-hmm. it's like how many college students have lived in this house all yeah, these times it's probably garbage uncover some weird stuff <laughs> but it happens that the um you know that the uh the bedroom set that i was using i don't know where the guy got it you know our landlord Lord. Mm-hmm. I think he got it from an old motel that closed oh, down because the first day I come there, move my stuff in, there's a Bible in the, you know, in the no. side, like one of those Bibles from a motel oh in the God, uh, in the bedside table. So I'm like, ooh, how many people have slept in this random bed? And oh, yeah. yeah That's... Ooh, makes you think. <laughs> Welcome to the American Geophysical Union's podcast about the scientists and the methods behind the science. These are the stories you won't read in the manuscript or hear in a lecture. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Nancy Bumpy. And this is Third Pod from the Sun, Centennial. Wait, it's not Centennial anymore, Shane. Oh, it's January. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that. All right, so what... So. It's not Centennial. So what are we doing? Our Centennial is over. It was yeah. a lovely year. Right. 100. Now we're 101. <laughs> it was a lovely year. It was a lovely year, Centennial. Right. And now it's Centennial plus one. Right. But and we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, but we loved our historical stories so much mm-hmm. that we were telling during the Centennial that we wanted to keep it going. Yeah. So these stories, so so we'll have our, like, our regular episodes that we're doing, and then we'll have these stories that kind of have a historical bent, whether we're talking about a historical story that happened in geoscience mm-hmm. or how people are kind of using historical stuff to find things out about geoscience, you know, that kind of stuff. So same idea. We just have Centennial to kind of thank for uh, giving us this little oomph, I guess. The legacy continues. The legacy continues. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, So that's that's the historical podcast. Uh, But today's episode, um, we'll... Why were why were we talking about your creepy dorm furniture? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, actually, this was uh, almost a year ago. I was at the European Geosciences Union meeting in Vienna and spoke to some researchers who are doing some cool things. They're they're looking at some old homes in Europe because that goes back way longer than us here yeah. in the United States. And actually from that wood in the old homes, um, you know, dating the homes and figuring out what's actually happening like in society and the climate from that old wood because you have these trees that could be like thousands and thousands of years yeah. old in these homes. Okay. Crazy, huh? I mean, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> uh, but like, so, well, I guess. What are I, they doing? I'm, yeah, what are they doing? I guess we'll, we'll ask Liza. Yes, Liza, Liza, <laughs> Liza, help me with this episode. <laughs> Liza, help me with this episode. And we bring in our science expert, our scientific <laughs> expert, Liza Lester. Oh, no, expert. <laughs> <laughs> it's relative to those in the room, let's yes. say. Okay, well, I'll do my best. Um, this is really neat. We're talking about old homes today, and they dated the wood using this technique called dendrochronology. You familiar with that? Dendro? Dendro. Dendro. It's just wood. Which is wood or trees, wood. yeah. And then chronology is like, 
putting time in sequence, so events and how they happened, timeline. Yeah, I think like a lot of people know about like you know tree rings. Like yeah. that, it's a, it's kind of like it, it is that it right? is tree rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like tree ring. Research. Yeah, so yeah. you know that that trees when you cut a cross section of them, you see those beautiful rings, and each ring represents one year because the tree grows you know at different speeds during the year. Mm-hmm. And this can also tell us a lot about what happened to the tree in that year, right? Because Maybe it was dry, maybe it was wet, um, maybe it was cold, maybe there was a lot of sun, and it can, how was the tree doing, right? So that we can learn a little bit about what was going on in the weather or the climate at the time that the tree was alive. Um, and it's so cool. And these these homes are really, I guess, I don't, I don't, unique is the right word, but it's cool because you can really go back so far because, like, the logs are so old. Like, where else mm-hmm. are you going to find a log that old? You're not. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. <laughs> well, You're you know. not. Like, Maybe. Well, the other places, no, in structures, <laughs> like they're, they're preserved in these structures. Right, right. right. Yeah. These structures have been taken care of, and sometimes they even reuse the timbers, which can throw a, a wrench in the whole process. Um, so, yeah, so how do they do this? You know, if you can accurately date, you know, how old something is by these tree rings by counting backwards from the outside, the bark, you know, to the inside, how many years was the tree alive? So if you know when the tree was cut down, you can, like, cut count back to how old that tree was. So... In reverse, they could try to figure out um, from that tree when the building was built, based on assuming that like the tree was cut down and pretty quickly built, put into a house. It's it's wild to me to think of like not knowing when a building was built. Yeah, like, I don't know. I know because here it's so right. everything's like, so yeah. relatively new. Out of a house in yeah. the thirties, like that's kind of old to me. Yeah, but maybe if it was built in like fourteen hundred, <laughs> exactly. You might no. You might the be a little maybe lost. You could look at the type of structure and have an idea but you don't know exactly what year and this can really accurately by comparing to other trees where you you know right how old it is so maybe if the tree is still alive for instance you know you can count back exactly from now mm-hmm. to how old that was and they can compare these living trees or known trees as a reference to the logs you see in these buildings and like match the ring sort of i'm sure it's more complicated than that but we'll call it that yeah. and like that can give you an idea of when that tree was alive and then when it was cut down and when the building was built. And then this can give you trends of like when things were built in the area you're looking at, which is really interesting for history. I think you did a lovely job, Liza. Thank you. Explaining. (laughs) Uh, So I guess we'll hear from our interviewees. Yeah, let's do it. Fredrik Schapente Jungqvist. I'm a historian and paleoclimatologist at Stockholm University in Sweden. Yeah, I'm Andrea Seim. I'm from Germany and I'm a dendrochronologist. We have made a new reconstruction of European building activity changes from late medieval times all the way to the end of the 17th century. We have reconstructed which year and which decade you built, built more or less across mainly Central Europe. And we think it's very interesting to reconstruct past building activity rates because building activity reflects demographic, economic, societal conditions. So if you can reconstruct where and when you build much or very little, you can see times of prosperity and times of crisis. Um, So in the buildings, you can actually tell what was going on at the time. Yes, on a broad scale, especially building activity seems to be a very sensitive indicator of times of crisis. When the building activity decreases, it indicates that some problems in society. We used a quite novel material to study societal changes, the felling dates of preserved construction timber. Uh, 
So dendrochronological dated uh, felling years from pieces of construction timber preserved in different buildings. And we didn't made all the measurements ourselves. We compiled data that had been made available for decades of building heritage work and different archaeological labs around uh, Europe. We obtained data from 16 different archaeological labs. Okay, all right. So, um, so how do you find, so this, this is uh, wood, I guess, that is in buildings? Yes, exactly. It's okay. construction timber used for constructing houses. So in the roofs, uh, construction is the preserved. So colleagues going in, uh, taking cores, so with the increment bore, and they're measuring then the tree rings and date those um, tree ring sequences. Uh, based on reference chronologies. So they're doing, yeah, dendrochronological dating. Um, and these are, I guess, thousands of buildings that they're found in? Oh, yes. We have um, almost 50,000 dates in our data set. Mm -hmm. And that's the largest ever compiled data set for this purpose by far. So basically, by compiling all this data from mainly Central Europe, uh, it's essentially a new historical source material when you use it in this way and aggregate it all. We only look at a period from 1250 to uh, 1699. So we have this period from late medieval times to the end of the 17th century, and we have a lot of values per year. Of course, we have more preserved buildings in the recent centuries, which so is a trend because of increasing preservation. So we did trend it, take away the trend over long, real long timescales. And uh, we also standardized the values. We get an index value of uh, building activity for each year, an index of building activity for each year from 1250 to uh, 1699. And we, of course, also look at the kale averages because sometimes we ha can have noise in the building activity, of course, in an individual year, and you see some signals of societal crisis, well-being, better and longer timescales. And then we have uh, looked at the largest compiled data set of plague outbreaks. It's actually from the 1970s already compiled and recently digitized, and also a compilation of grain prices for Europe, because uh, we found, after making many different type of analysis, what might influence building activity changes, that it was plague outbreaks, the number of plague outbreaks, and the prices of food, mainly grain. Uh, uh, so we looked at these two data series and found a very significant correlation. During periods with many plague outbreaks, you have the low building activity. And during periods of no plague outbreaks or very few plague outbreaks, you have typically high building activity. And when food prices were low, you have plenty of food available, then you had um, a quite high building activity in general. And when you had high food prices, mirroring a lack of food or shortage of food, you had little building activity. Uh, we also looked at paleoclimate data of hydroclimate precipitation and drought in Europe and temperature. And we found no really consistent, significant correlation to climatic conditions. I thought you actually would find some influence because we know that dry and cold condition decreases the harvest, so the grain prices actually contain a climate signal, but the felling dates or the building history don't really 
contain a clear climate signals, too many steps between uh, climate and uh, food prices uh, and then uh, building activity. So they do this by essentially they're getting like it's like how you get maple syrup out of a tree. You just like plug a <laughs> hole in it, right? You're just like drilling a hole yeah. and plugging a fork. <laughs> but no, they're they're drilling ho- like holes in people's houses. Yes, tiny ones. Tiny small, ones. Very, very small, very small. Yeah. Okay. It's quite uh, simple. So we we go with increment bores. Uh, think about when we uh, when people sample ice cores in the Arctic. So these are this. Uh, hollow drills, and we are using the same basically for the for the timbers or for the beams. So it's um, so that the increment bore is hollow inside. We drill inside, so we have kind of a core of Small, really half half a, half a centimeter uh, okay. core, and and of course we are looking in the building on the construction timber, which uh, where there is a, the the outermost part of the of the tree, no? so maybe. A, bark is preserved or we know we see okay that is um, close to the um, close to the bark and this is where we take the sample <clears throat> and then what do you do with it back in the lab back in the lab so we prepare the surface so it's um, in central Europe it's mainly oak trees used or um, conifers and then we measure the ring bus so um, we're using this uh, on a semi-automatic measuring uh, table and a microscope and then uh, basically um, we transfer the width into values and then we have kind of a zigzag curve which we then match uh, with chronologies, reference chronologies. So and then we date this specific timber to a certain period. Now it can be Middle Ages or modern or whatever. So where we have the best synchronized position with the reference. Basically, this is how we date the timber. What do people think about when you come to their house or wherever and you're like, we're going to take a borehole and see how old your house is? <laughs> I mean, normally the people are really excited yeah. because, uh, of course, it's also a curiosity to see, okay, is it built when they believed it was built? Because sometimes you have inscriptions and, you know, sometimes it fits perfectly to the year. Sometimes um, it can also happen that the material is reused. So maybe you have an older material, which is built again. Um, yeah, I mean, with a little hole, I mean, people are, are happy to live when they know how, how old the, the house are, or house is. That's interesting, though. They may have said they think it was built in, in such and such a year, and you say, actually, this is older or younger or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It can happen then. Also, I mean, uh, as a dental archaeologist, you look at the... the construction type, so how is the, the, the roof construction built, and how are the joints, and how is, which type is used, so you normally have a rough um, estimation, okay, when is the building, um, yeah, when was the building types constructed. Of, yeah. They did different types of exactly. depending on the type. Yeah. So how do you find them? Like, how do you know what houses to go to to find it? And how do you, and then how do you take the sample? I mean, if people, are people still living in these houses or using these buildings? It depends. It's a yeah. wide range of, uh, it can be anything from monasteries which need a dating or so there are private people approaching colleagues saying, please, uh, no, can you date a building when, when were the trees felled um, to construct a building? Um, but it can be um, 
also public public uh, services. Now they want to know uh, cultural heritage uh, agencies. They want to know, okay, how old is the building? And then they approach colleagues. So what is in this data set is basically only the the timber which has this outermost um, rings, so below the bark. So this is why it's a felling date. So we know exactly in this year the tree is cut for constructing um, uh, the house, no? used as construction. Felling is the date they chopped it down. Exactly. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. But of course there are also timber which they don't have the last ring preserved below the bark. So there are much more timber and for this study you only know. we used uh, timber which had the, the, basically the bark, no? the the last ring and that's the uh, a small minority of the actually available material, but yeah. we only wanted to use uh, the dates with an exact date in order to also look, for example, on the influence of plague outbreaks. We compare or reconstruct building history with, for example, historical data, a compilation of documentary data of over 10,000 plague outbreaks in Europe to see how plague influenced, for example, the changes in building activity, and then you need exact dates. Of course, a house might be constructed one or two years after the tree was felt, but it's more or less the same time to see on these influences, and we could see, for example, that three to four years after the start of the biggest plague epidemics, the biggest 20 plague epidemics in Europe, you could see a significant decrease, not the first and second year, it started to decrease, but the climax of the decrease is four to five years after the plague outbreak starts. And then already the next year, year six after the plague outbreaks, it's back to pre plague building activities. When there was this plague outbreaks, the people are kind of busy or, of course, dying or whatever, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> just surviving. Yeah. And of course, they're not thinking about building a house yeah. now, and they don't have the strength to do that either. Or I think this is neat. It's super neat. Yeah. But I guess I, why is this important is a silly thing to ask. But like, what have we find out? What have we found out per se? Um, like, cool, something's how old. But and you said like climatic record. But what else? Is there other things in history we can figure out? Or Yeah, well, some of it is looking at just demographic change or like what was happening in society. Could be reflected in the building patterns, as you talked about a little bit. So... Um, if you suddenly see a sensation in building, people aren't making houses, something's going on in their lives. And maybe there, there are a few cases where they're like, we didn't realize this had happened so early. You know, they knew the plague came, but it seemed like people stopped building before it arrived. So what else was going on? And because like the noble people were the people who were writing, the common people, they maybe they couldn't write down mm. the records. So it's really giving like insight into like what was actually happening in, you know, in a larger scale. Or they found like, oh, this actually happened earlier than like the common people. The, the noble people didn't really feel bad. But <laughs> the, the common people <laughs> were really, it was bad. So it helps oh, fill man. in gaps in that kind of record, um, <laughs> historical record, right? I mean, yeah, we can see gaps these, in the historical record. These big trends, maybe, you know, yeah. it kind of applies to Wad's broad spots. The <laughs> wider regions of the world and what's going on and kind of and does that match with what we think happened from historical records but you know they also use this technique for places where you don't have historical records um, this was kind of pioneered in the American Southwest and we found a number of different interesting results the first one was a very significant decrease in building activity occurring around 1300 
Uh, and that is five decades before the Black Death hit Europe, and two decades also before the Great Famine. And typically historians have debated over decades, did the late medieval crisis, that is called the demographic and societal crisis in Europe in the late medieval times, did it start with the Black Death, that is the traditional view, or more recent researcher indicated maybe started with the so-called Great Famine, which was the biggest subsistence crisis in Europe the last millennium. Mm -hmm. But uh, it occurred uh, 1315 to 1317. So it's uh, three decades before the Black Death. But we find that actually a decrease in building activity occurred two decades earlier, around 1300 already. So the so same. <laughs> it's some, uh, I mean, historians have for a long time debated this underlying societal uh, crisis where, where you have a population increase that is much, much faster than an available increase in resources, and you also have more frequent food shortages and more societal conflicts on all levels of society, including not only warfare, but all types of societal crisis and also uh, a, strain a strain of resources and other epidemics besides plague. And there are indica indications already in the second half of the 1200s that you have some crisis in Europe, but it's very hard from the written records to grasp because the written records that we at least have for part of Europe in the Middle Ages, they rarely really go into societal conditions for, say, the ordinary peasants or workmen. So oh, they were written by the educated? Yes, mainly the clergy and the nobility and for certain major trade centers. So we don't have a source material that covers, I mean, the countryside, small towns across Europe to see how the demographic conditions really were. So this is a new material. I think the most significant finding maybe is that this late medieval crisis started already around 1300. We can see the Black Death, but not very clear. And that was the big surprise, because the crisis, the decrease in population, the lack of a need of new buildings have already recurred. Of course, maybe 25, 30, 35% of the population died in the region. But if you already had the population decrease before, it doesn't matter if the population decreased 10% or 50%, you still don't need any new buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, it's first when you need new buildings, when you're going to build, um, of course you build all the time and repair buildings, but when you have a significant increase in building. And that occurs 1415, according to the felling dates, the reconstructed building history, 1415 approximately, but it's a sharp increase there. And it's about, again, three decades now before what written records indicate is the really economic and demographic recovery in Europe. So this, the crisis seems to start earlier and end earlier in the building history than in the written records. So it's a few decades earlier or both, which is a kind of interesting result. And then, of course, you, we can capture other trend breaks to increasing building activity in the mid-1500s, which really well corresponds to population boom in Europe. And then, again, a decrease around 1580, that corresponds to the start of a century of different crises in Europe, including famines and wars. And what was really interesting to see, the sharpest decrease in building activity occurs 1618, the start of the Thirty Years' War. And it ends 
quite exactly dramatic increase again, th uh, 1638, at the end of the 13 years' war. It's not surprising because this war was, in terms of the proportion of the population that died in Central Europe, is about 30 to 40 percent of Central Europe's population, mainly Germany and present-day Czech Republic, that uh, perish. But we have about an equal percentage in the decrease of building activity that exactly fits this interval. And it really is a test bed that shows that fell, felling date-based reconstructions of building activity is a sensitive indicator of societal conditions. This stuff is so um, interesting and so cool. I love all this Stuff. It takes us back in time, sort of like how Shane's mustache is like oh harking God. back to 1970. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! Or I say actually more like 83. I'm gonna go with like 83. What do you think, Liza? Mm, Tom Selleck. Yeah, or like, look. Uh, like some. Yeah, you got the 80s look. I like that you're mustache. going back in time because I wasn't born in 83. Oh. oh. <laughs> now, now the guns are out. The the. <laughs> The gloves are off. The gloves, <laughs> the guns are out. I mean, I was just in Florida, so like there were lots of tank tops. Yeah. So. Ooh. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's all from Third Pod from the Sun. Thank you so much to Frederick and Andrea for this story. Thanks to Liza for helping me with this episode. Happy to. Uh, so this uh, episode was produced by Liza and Nancy, uh, mixed by Robin Murray and John Schreiner. Um, thanks so much for listening and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts um, and you can always find um, this podcast wherever you get your podcasts or at thirdpodfromthesun.com and be look on or I guess on the lookout for more let's just say historical episodes yes and our regular episodes and welcome to um, the new year yeah happy 2020 everyone <laughs> alright thanks all and we'll see you next time <laughs>